Hey guys, and welcome back to Call Her Doctor, a podcast for STEM students interested in pursuing advanced degrees. I'm Madison, a former pre-med, starting my medical degree in July of 2020. And I'm Natalie, a first-year PhD student in electrical engineering. Be sure to check out our previous episodes and subscribe so you never miss another. So we figured we'd start this episode as well as all of our future episodes with our highs and lows of the week. So Natalie, give us a highlight. Um, So I guess my highlight for this week is um, I've been working on this design for a while and was like learning throughout the process. So I was moving really slow and I finally finished all of the necessary simulations and sent them to my advisor for approval. So that felt really good. Good. Any downside to the week? Yeah. So (laughs) my low light for the week and like kind of a treat yourself moment. I like left work early and I was like, I'm going to take all this stuff to Plato's closet that I um, don't need anymore. Like all the professional clothes that I hate. And they did not buy a single item of clothing from me. They said it was because it was all like winter clothes, but yeah, I don't know. But isn't it like it's winter though? I guess maybe they think people are buying summer clothes now. Maybe that's logic. I don't know. I don't know. They, like, had no sweaters in there, so I don't know what the deal was, but they didn't want my sweaters. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. What about you, high and low? This week was pretty typical for me. Like, nothing particularly special happened, and because I work a normal job, like, there's no really room for, like, progress. That sounds really bad, but, like, there isn't. I had a productive work meeting earlier this week. There was no reason to suspect that it would have gone poorly, but like it was good and productive and like that was fine. My low light for the week, honestly, is just that I wasted two hours of my time watching The Bachelor on Monday night. Are they always two hour episodes? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't watched in like years. I don't know. It's just, I don't think they used to be. I mean, I feel like I started watching it like early high school. I don't know. I don't feel like they were always two episodes. Maybe they have been two or two hours, but it's just, it's a lot of time for something that just like in the end isn't worth it. So yeah. Maybe I should just stop watching altogether, but that probably isn't going to happen. No, like you got to finish it. How many people are left right now? Three. So there's like two more episodes left this season and I am not watching like the whole like tell all episode where it's right before the finale. I'm just going to watch the finale and figure out what happens and that's it. That's all I need. So stick it out. (laughs) One more, one more week. Okay, so now that we've gone over our weeks, so basically, guys, in this episode, we're going to be talking about shooting your shot in the context of STEM. So normally when you think about shoot your shot, people will say it in the context of, you know, talking to someone that you really want to talk to or like asking for someone's number or like, I guess, stuff like that. Um, I don't yeah, know. Like if Maddie came to me and was like, oh, this guy is cute. I'd be like, well, shoot your shot, you know, like go talk to him or whatever. Even though I absolutely wouldn't. Um, yeah. Actually, probably not. <laughs> um you but, know in theory <laughs> yeah in theory if if I were confident I would <laughs> confident I would I know that sounds bad um anyway oh let's, let's go back confident in like social interaction yeah seriously though like it's like it's not that I'm not confident it's that I'm not confident enough to do that <laughs> okay we're just gonna go back that's all gonna be cut Basically, guys, in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about shooting your shot in the context of STEM. So obviously, when you hear the phrase, shoot your shot, you think more so about someone telling you to go, like, tell someone you like them or, like, get their number or, like, I don't know, that kind of stuff. But you don't really hear it in the context of STEM that often, even though I feel like I have more lately. But we're just going to be talking about going for the things that you want in your field and 
how to improve your chances of getting them. Yeah. And I feel like the context is not like middle school, like, oh, does he like me? Like, I'm going to write him a note, but more like be confident in who you are, be okay with asking for what you want and just shoot your shot. You know, it's, I think more just about like having the confidence to just go after what you want. Yeah. Um. So uh, there are a lot of really cool opportunities in various STEM fields that you basically have to not just be qualified to get, but you actually have to take the time out and search for these opportunities. So there's a lot of internships, um, getting undergraduate research at your university, getting money to travel for conferences, getting REUs, which stands for Research Experience for Undergraduates, with stipends that the, basically they'll pay you a lot of money to just go do research for a summer and you have to apply for all of these and you have to be prepared for all of these let me basically in stem i think just by the nature of the stem fields you have a lot of opportunities for like really cool internships and then like undergraduate research which we've both participated in but there's also things like traveling for conferences um and then like summer reus which those are like research experiences for undergrads and oftentimes those are paid and they're usually not at your home university so they involve a little bit of travel and i think i know i've been in situations where i see people like I saw Maddie at one point on, on Instagram and I was like, how is she in Malibu for the summer? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, and just, you know, it's like, I think sometimes we see people in our field who are doing something and we're like, well, how did they get to do that? Like, I want to do that. Um, and I think Maddie and I have both had opportunities where we've had people ask us, you know, like, well, how did you get to do that? Yeah, 100%. I think the example that you pointed out was probably the best one. Like, based on my Instagram feed, I was just living it up in Malibu for a summer when in actuality, like, I had to go through a whole, like, application process and interview process. And when I was there working, like, 50 hours a week in the lab to finish a research project. Um, But yeah, so we'll talk a little bit today about kind of how we went about applying for these and different strategies that you can use to. um, anyway, yeah, so the probably the example you use, Natalie, is the best um, one that I could give when I spent the summer after my sophomore year of college in Malibu. Um, based on my Instagram feed, it looked like I was just living it up on the beach and at cute restaurants all the time. But in actuality, I had to like apply, interview, and when I was there, I was spending like 50 hours a week in the lab trying to knock out a project. Yeah, yeah. And I know I've had other friends who uh, like will speak at conferences and stuff like that, or they'll get involved in like an engineering student organization at like a bigger level than what's available at my university. And like, I remember at one point I asked one of my friends, I was like, well, how did you get to do that? And she was like, oh, I just applied, like I searched it and I applied online. And I think what happens is when you see stuff like that, like when I see, you know, Maddie and Malibu and when I see my friends speaking at a conference or like I had an internship at NASA Ames and I had a lot of people ask me like how did you get an internship at NASA and like I was a junior I looked up NASA internships I filled out the online application and then I got the position and it doesn't always work out that way but the thing is it's definitely not going to happen unless you apply and so I think that's kind of what we want to focus on today is like how you know nobody's I guess, really looking out for you, like nobody's sitting in their office constantly thinking about, you know, well, what opportunities does Natalie need and how can I match her with the best opportunities? Like you have to go after what you want. And there's some strategies for doing that that we'll talk about, but basically you kind of have to go after it yourself a little bit and just be willing to like ask and apply for what you want. Yeah, 100%. I would say like the one exception to that is maybe if you have a mentor 
but even then like you're most likely not the only person that your mentor is mentoring and a lot of these opportunities are like very selective if you know there might be like one spot available or say even like 10 so like it's important to find a mentor that also will look out for you but like even if you do have one that's that is looking out for you like they could be giving these opportunities or showing these opportunities to all of their other mentees but anyway yeah so I hate to use the word competition but you do have to kind of look out for yourself and find yourself opportunities that not other not a lot of other people will be looking out for so we have kind of basically like a a solid list about like where you can find some of these opportunities yeah so I think the first step in all of this is sort of figuring out what you want and what's out there and Google is going to be your best friend for this so especially if you're interested in research opportunities you can look at like the NSF RU list online and search by your major and find summer research opportunities that match your interests but also just google like if you're in engineering google engineering scholarships and if you're a woman in engineering google engineering scholarships for women or sort of figure out because there's a lot of niche scholarships and stuff out there so definitely just like put that into google and see what comes up and off I mean I've found stuff that way so that's definitely a good place to start And then the next thing is reading your school emails. So I know during my undergrad, probably for the first three years, I would get those like listserv emails and immediately delete them without opening them. But I actually found out about my NSF fellowship because of one of those emails. I'm pretty sure I found out about NASA internships from those emails. Somebody at your school is taking the time to sit down and compile all of those opportunities. If they're putting time into it, it's going to be valuable to you. And oftentimes that's the best way to get opportunities that are specific to your university. So definitely read those emails. Yeah, I know, like, for example, at UNC, we'd get emails from the chem department, seriously, like every two days, and it'd always be either internship opportunities, job opportunities for graduates. So seriously, check your emails. Another resource is older students in your program or majors, you know, whatever you're involved in. A lot of them may have participated in internships or summer research programs um, that they wouldn't be applying for again, but they can give you kind of insight on how to apply and also just various opportunities that exist. I know with my scholarship program, CSS, at one point we had a list of all of the REUs that people had done, and it was kind of like basis for like where other students could start off applying. Another good resource is your professors. A lot of your professors will have contacts at other universities, and they'll be fairly aware of opportunities at outside universities. Yeah, I know with the older students, I so I mentor um, a first-year student in our who does research with our group, and I like just sent him a list of things to apply for because I knew he wouldn't he wanted to stay in Virginia, and so I sent him like two different Virginia things that he ended up applying for. So definitely talk to those older students. Another one is just social media. So like if you see Maddie living it up in Malibu, but you know she's doing something school related, message her and be like, hey, what are you doing this summer? You know, what program are you involved in? Or, you know, if you see your friend speaking at a conference or you see that somebody, you know, won like an award through their student organization or whatever, just message them and be like, hey, this is so cool. Congratulations. You know, how did you find out about this? Or you know, just getting that information from other 
people who you see doing what you want to do because they may just say like oh I googled this and found this list of things and you can go and check out that same list so definitely social media I think can be a way to compare yourselves and feel bad but it can also be like a resource where you see people doing what you want to do and like use them as your first step to figure out how to do that. And then just student organizations. I was really heavily involved in the Society of Women Engineers and your major probably has professional and more like, I don't want to say social, I guess like technical and professional societies. So like get involved in those because those usually have conferences that are great opportunities. They can connect you to mentors who can look out for you for these other opportunities. So just definitely try to get plugged in and not like you occasionally attend a meeting, but like really try to get plugged into one or two of those organizations. Yeah, I would also say one other kind of just it's like simpler than you would think would just be to Google a specific um, university that you're interested in. So for me, when I was applying to the program or I applied to the program at Pepperdine that summer, but I also applied to one other one just for that summer. I was very particular about where I wanted to spend my summer. I basically said, you know, if I'm not going to be living in Chapel Hill, I at least want to be living somewhere that I like wouldn't mind spending three months. So it it wasn't just for me about the strength or the reputation of the program or even the experience that I would have there. It was a combination of, okay, I want this good experience, but I also want to enjoy where I'm living. And so I I considered going to Pepperdine for undergrad for financial reasons. I ended up not choosing to go there, but I Googled Pepperdine, like REU, and that's how I found mine. So and I'll let you talk about career fairs because I actually have never been to a career fair before. Okay. Oh, man. So this kind of ties to student organization. I know I keep, I'm going to talk about SWE a lot because that's something that I was really involved in. They have one of the largest career fairs for women in engineering. If you think you want something more research focused, it's not just Intel and Samsung and like car companies there who are looking for like summer interns, but like the national labs are there. NASA is there. There are like military, I forget what they're called, but like where you can be a civilian but work as like an engineer for the military. But those a lot of times are like more research focused. Some of them also have co-op programs and you, you don't really know what's available. Like I found out about UVA and like ended up applying there because of a career fair. So that's definitely a good way to find those opportunities. There's usually grad schools there. Even if you're not looking for a job or an internship and you have the opportunity to go to a career fair and just like wander around and learn more about what's available to you, I definitely think that that's a good thing to do. Yeah. So another part of this whole application process is trying to figure out which ones you feel like you're qualified for or you know if you even should apply because a lot of them are very selective if it's you know the matter of speaking at a conference like there's probably only like one spot for that right I would guess. I actually don't know. I've never spoken yeah, at a conference. But for the REU that I did, I don't know how many applicants they got, but they ended up selecting 10 students. And so when I was looking at that, I was like, I really want to spend my summer in Malibu doing biology research. But I, at that point in time, this is, I'm applying spring of my sophomore year. So if you've listened to our past episodes, you know that I was still struggling academically at that point. My GPA was maybe a 2.7. And I was like, if there are so many other students applying and they're only selecting 10 there's no way I'm going to get chosen but you have to get past that mindset of feeling like not that you're not qualified because I I'd had at that point also a year and a half of research experience but on paper I guess it almost felt like I wasn't qualified based simply on my GPA so you kind of have to get past that mindset and be willing to just like remember your worth is more than that number 
and just choose to apply because if you don't apply, you know it's not going to happen, right? Like yeah. the worst that could happen is you getting rejected, but I think worse than getting rejected would be not even trying. Yeah. And I honestly, I kind of feel like it's not your job to determine whether or not you're qualified. If you can make a solid argument for why you want to be there and why you want this opportunity, especially if you can tie that into like how that fits into your future goals, it's the person who's hiring you, it's their job to determine whether or not you're qualified. Don't take yourself out of the running just because you think you're not qualified. And just, I mean, I was, I guess, going into my junior year, something like that, when I had my internship with NASA, it was in a field that I I hadn't ever done what I was doing for in that internship. And yeah, you really just don't, you don't know what they're looking for. You don't know what they value more. So like maybe they value the fact that you want to be there and are clear on the fact that you want to be there. They might value that more than somebody who's wishy-washy, but has a better GPA. So take your version of what makes you qualified out of out of the equation and just if you can make a solid argument for why you want to be there I think shoot your shot and apply yeah and I will say like based on both Natalie and I's academic past and the fact that you know you're in a PhD program now Natalie and and the fact that I'm starting <laughs> medical school in July and like we do have the academic histories at least in college that we do I think that says so much about the fact that like they're not just looking at a number sure yeah. those numbers are important but it's not the only thing that determines your your worth or your qualifications to enter into a certain field. So there's a lot that goes into not just, I mean, you have to apply for these programs for both med school and for the summer program is writing a personal statement, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes past the personal statement. So obviously in the personal statement, you should be able to articulate why you want that program. But at least for me, I had to interview at a phone interview for my program and I was like, how on earth do I prepare for this? Like, I don't know what he wants. I know I want to do research. I know I have research experience and I can speak on that. But like, what can I do beyond that? So I guess I'll just kind of explain what I did to prep for that interview. Yeah. So this was a fairly young professor who was my PI for that summer. PI is primary investigator. So that's like whoever the professor is that oversees your lab, just in case. (laughs) But I basically looked up any of his publications in the field. And I, at that point in time, I didn't have a, I had a good, foundation in biology and chemistry. I kind of feel like my research bridged the gap, but my foundation wasn't strong enough to entirely understand all of what he'd been doing. But I spent a lot of time reading his papers and trying to figure out what specifically he was interested in and what kind of research he does during the year. So that way I could come to him with ideas of what I wanted to do that summer. I knew going in that I was going to be asked to design a project that I could complete within 10 weeks. So I went in thinking about, okay, here's what he does. Based on what he does, here are probably the the things that he's going to have in his lab that I'll have access to. And here are my ideas for you. And all of the ideas that I presented him with in my interview, I didn't end up going forward with any of them. But I think it, you know, me preparing like that showed that I was prepared and took it very seriously. So I think sometimes it's like you really do need to come in with a plan and be ready to demonstrate your value. Because I think sometimes there have been instances where you apply online and like, you know, you double check your resume and stuff, but it's sort of a softball. You just sort of lob your application up there and see what happens. But other times you're talking about you do need to do your background research and you when you're ready to shoot your shot, you need to like really be shooting your shot. I've had cases where with applying for like funding to go to conferences, you know, I've had instances where the funding exists, you just have to apply, you'll probably get it. But I've also had instances where like it's a more competitive application for the funding and they want to make sure that the 
money that the school is spending is really going to something that's not, oh, I want to take a vacation. I'll apply for this travel funding. So I had to be prepared to go in and say like, this is what's going to be going on at the conference. Here's how I'm going to benefit. Here's how I'm going to bring what I learned back to the university and how other students are going to benefit from what I learned. Sometimes it is just application, but really when you're applying, just make sure you assess, can I just apply or do I really need to go through and like prepare and be ready to demonstrate what I bring to the table and my value and all of that. Yeah. And I think overall, and obviously we're just talking about our specific experiences, but overall, like it never hurts to be overprepared. And I'm thinking this more so in regards to applying for research positions at your university, which I feel like is probably the majority of what people are doing. But I mean, you have to go into, aside from just the emailing the professor and saying, hey, like I'm an undergrad and I want to do research in your lab. Sorry, that's my little undergrad voice. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, um, anyway, sorry, that's not what I sounded like when I was an undergrad. And I'm just not what undergrads sound like. But aside from just emailing them, you have to prepare yourself and know and be really familiar with the kind of research they're doing, um, the specific projects that the graduate students in the lab are doing because chances are if it's if you're doing research during the school year at your university you're probably going to be working under a graduate student at least for at the beginning so yeah just really familiarize yourself with that they might not ask you about it but they also might and it's always better to be prepared yeah so I think overall with this it's really just like figuring out I'm seeing all these people do things I want to do and like figure out what is it specifically that you want to do and then like the specific opportunity that's related to that. So if it's summer research, figure out which programs, you know, go through, spend the time and do some research and figure out what it is you're going to be applying for. And just, again, take your version of whether or not you're qualified out of the equation. If you want to be there, go ahead and apply. And then just make sure that you're communicating your value and you're prepared for that application process. To close out, go for what you want. Don't hold back because of a lack of confidence, if for lack of a better phrase. You are, first of all, you're probably worth more than you think you are. Um, definitely worth more than you think you are. It's like, especially like in regard, this is like specifically in regards to STEM. But probably in other areas. You're but also probably in other areas. But yeah, no, seriously, you're more qualified than you think you are. So it never hurts to go for what you want. And I will quote... A Cinderella story. Actually, this probably isn't from a Cinderella story, but never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. I think that's definitely from the Cinderella story. Good movie. Good movie. Yeah. All right. Well, we really hope you liked this episode and found it helpful. If you did, you should show all your friends that you're listening. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. It's callherdoctor.podcast. Doctor is spelled out. It's not just DR. And then like us or whatever it is, rate us, review us on iTunes. That really helps us. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Alrighty. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye.